welcome to the Emergence Discipleship Podcast, created to equip ourselves with insight, background, and context into the themes and topics we study each week, first as we gather together to worship Jesus, and then as we go and make disciples. Let's dive into this week's discussion. Howdy, everyone. Welcome to week four of our series, Gospel Mission, the fall 2022 season. I am your host, Doug Becker. In a ship that's uh, this sounds like a ship that's being attacked, and uh, <laughs> and right here I have um, my co-host, none other than oh Kristen Gorder. Hey guys, <laughs> there we go. I didn't know that you were doing that. <laughs> uh, yeah, Kristen is still still somewhat. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like I need to uh, give up smoking a pack a day. So that's right. I apologize now for the cough. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, sometimes uh, it's the consequences of our actions that move us to change. <laughs> <laughs> Hear that? <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, we also have a lot of banging around in the background. Yeah, that just happened as soon as we hit record. I think that might be the kitchen. There's there's an insane amount of Moe's in the kitchen, like M-O-E, the uh, taco the, burrito place. Yeah. And it's like, it's it's unwieldy. I, I made myself a plate and it took it took like 10 minutes just to get the stuff out. There, of the there are several. Yeah. Several things in there. Yeah. yeah. It d- deters you from eating it to begin with when you see the amount of work it would take. There's there's no exaggeration. There's over a gallon of the queso coming oh, in there. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I know that might be coming home with me in my backpack. <laughs> just just dump you it in to there. Fight me for it. I might line it with plastic bags. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, welcome everybody. Uh, I suppose we'll start off with everyone's second favorite part, (laughs) our seltzer review. This week, we have um, nothing fancy. No, we're going classic here. Yes. This is Canada Dry's Lemon Lime Seltzer. Um, I did have something that I got at the store, and then Uh about eight minutes down the road this morning- Yeah, I couldn't help myself. Did you really? No, no, oh. no. I <laughs> I just lost control. Like you with your smoking. I was like never you know, smoked a day in my life right. and then all of a just, sudden just picked yeah, it up. Just a picked it pack up. You know, you know, here's something I want to pick up in my thirties. <laughs> um you're in your thirties, right? <laughs> Doug. I, yeah. I don't know. No, I'm not saying for for are you not in your forties? I'm not in my forties. I'm in my I should 40s. tell people that. That's though, right. That's what I'm in saying. In the hopes that they say, yeah, yeah, "Oh, yeah. you look great for your okay, age." Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just wanted to make. In sure. reality, they would just be like, "Oh, yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're in your forties, clearly." <laughs> yeah, cry me a river. Um, yeah, no, so I am so, in my thirties. Yeah. All, right, all right. So yeah, I'm like eight minutes away from home, and I realize, oh no, I forgot the seltzer that I have in my fridge, and uh, so I just stopped at this little local store that's on my way. And pick this up. And I do drink this from time to time in my house. So I don't feel like there's anything dishonest about it. So what do we think about Canada Dry Lemon Lime? If you are on an Impact Central team and um, help yourself to the seltzers in the fridge there, I prefer that lemon lime. Oh, okay. Which is the, that's like the Stop and Shop Yeah, that's the Stop and, or ShopRite brands. Mm. This is, I, it's fine. It's refreshing. I think this not tastes world very close to Sprite. Don't you think it tastes? How like long has sense? it been since you've had a Sprite? It's been a while. <laughs> been keto for some time now. Really, you don't think it's close to Sprite? No. 
Um, to be fair, though, mm-hmm. I am so congested that my senses are oh, dulled. I forgot about that. <laughs> That's right. So disregard so. everything Kristen says. <laughs> Yes. No, it's it's very good and very refreshing. I'm looking forward to drinking the rest of this bottle during oh. our chat. It's very it's not disappointing at all as a lemon lime. I'd say fifty percent lemon flavor, fifty percent lime. Canada Dry knows what they're doing. Uh, they're, they're, I like their tonic water. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, tonic yeah. with lime. That's really? my jam. Really? Yeah. I've never gotten that into tonic water. You're my saying? grandmother used to give it to us when we were little kids. Oh, there's why. <laughs> just straight tonic water just straight tonic water yeah and now my kids love it actually really yeah i did not know this uh, fun fact about you guys yeah i've seen fancy tonic waters at the oh yeah some of them are better than others what makes something a tonic water the quinoline quin how do you say that quin that you're on your own here starts with a q okay something fill in the blank it starts with a q tonic water uh this is why god gave us google that's so true, which neither of us are looking at right that's now. That's right. But. I'm not. I'm just looking at GarageBand. Yeah. Just stare at these sound waves all day long. I'm looking at my long. Bible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Figures. <laughs> Speaking of our Bibles, let's take a look Pardon at our- me. No problem. That's okay. You know what? We're all friends here. That way I don't feel bad the zillion times that I'm going to get sick this year from my kids. <laughs> Yeah. I appreciate your prayers, people. That's yeah. really what I'm trying to say is please pray for me so that mm. the next time you hear my voice, I'm not doing this. So. Absolutely. It's been a while. I feel like it's five been weeks. Like five weeks? Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. Well, then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The first the first podcast, uh, I couldn't do it, remember, because I had laryngitis. I re- yeah. Was that the first week? That was the first uh, that, week. I guess, yeah. So four weeks Holy if cow. this is week four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Man. I'm going on, on five weeks. That's very serious. Okay, yeah. well. Um, okay. Anywho. So for our announcements this week, the announcements are pretty much what they've been uh, the last few weeks. Although, um, just want to raise uh, your awareness of the night of worship we have coming up on October 20th, 7 p.m. at Totowa Campus. I'm not sure what else to say about this except what I wrote. All are welcome. <laughs> It'll be a fun night. Yeah, yeah. It would be weird if all weren't welcome. <laughs> <laughs> they were like please stay away like like they measure how long your hair is or something or <laughs> do you have a tattoo yes no. No? yeah <laughs> so i wouldn't be invited <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right um our uh, icebreaker this week i thought was very i thought dovetailed nicely with kind of what we're going to be talking about with contextualization and everything what are some films <laughs> that communicate important spiritual truths Bible movies are off limits for this question. So you can't be like, ah, The Chosen. All right. Yeah, we know. Passion of the Christ. We've seen it. I watched uh, The Prince of Egypt with my son a couple weeks ago. And it totally backfired because the next day he was was playing and I heard him going, by the power of Ra. Oh, my God. No, no, no. You watched it wrong, Edwin. I know. I need to clearly do some more discipling. That's okay. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, uh, okay. So there's a no no recommendation there, I guess. Uh, we talked about this one before. I should I should have said uh, Bible movies and The Matrix are <laughs> off limits. Although yeah, The ma- Matrix. Yeah, that's the a Matrix popular is, one. Yeah, that, that one's been and um oh what's the I see dead people one? Oh, Sixth Sense. The Sixth Sense. You think is that, off that, the does table. that does that got biblical themes in it? Does it? He sees dead people. 
Well, I mean, they're dead the whole time. You don't really spoiler alert. So people, so the idea is that like people are dead in their sin, and you see them all day. Is that the idea? Yeah, people are dead in their sin. Really? I didn't. It's been used in sermons. You probably you you gotta contort it a bit, but okay, nice. Yeah. Nice. What's a what's another one that a lot of Christians draw a comparison to? I don't understand. I think just the Matrix. Just the Matrix. <laughs> just it's probably true. I still say I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Harry Potter. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sp- particularly the last one, mm. the very the very last one, where uh, there's like a piece of Voldemort in him, and that has to die before he and he like gives himself up to save every it's i've heard this a um, a member of my uh, band who will remain nameless has shared this with me as well (laughs) shout out i know you listen to this podcast buddy (laughs) looking forward to practice this saturday um is that a shameless plug (laughs) (laughs) um yeah uh full disclosure i've only ever seen one harry potter movie (sighs) and it was like the third or fourth in a theater with my 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 sister-in-law I had no clue what's going on. Just jumping in in the yeah, middle of things. Yeah, you can't do that. Oh, my God. You did it wrong. See, I grew up with the series. Yeah. So, you know, it's got a near, it's it's got a soft spot in my heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So, definitely, um, yeah, that's your icebreaker for this week. There I think we it'll be an interesting thing. All right. So, we're, our text is Acts 17, 1 through 34. Um, and the main idea is in order to reach people with the gospel, we must contextualize God's truth to show its relevance to our hearts. Hearers. Our hearers. Sorry. That was my, <laughs> my eyes are starting to get a little old. You know that? I can't. I can't. New glasses there, I, well, Doug. No, these are very good farsighted glasses. And they asked if I wanted to get bifocals this last oh. time. And I was like, no freaking way. I'm not ready to, to, to swallow that truth pill that reality is what i'm not yet ready so to you're just acknowledge. gonna play the trumpet well so now for a while. i'm so now i'm this I'm, there are the tr- is it the trombone i don't know my trombone yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's basically what it looks like when i read it looks like i'm playing the trombone yeah or the jazz flute i can't tell you i don't know instruments. that's an anchorman reference oh oh yeah it's a good it's a good scene everybody look up jazz flute anchorman all right, um, let's let's go ahead and get started. Uh, communicating the gospel through the scriptures. In this section, we see Paul, Silas, and Timothy proclaiming the gospel among Jewish people in synagogues. This gives us insight about how uh, I can never get through a study guide without to, a typo. How to how to reach people? <laughs> it doesn't matter how many times I proofread it. There will always be one and exactly maybe one you should typo give it to it. somebody else to read. I should well. Here's the problem. Okay. I'm not going to elaborate on the problem. That's Going been suggested hard. in the past. No one email me offering to proofread. Um, okay. Because it doesn't work. It's not going to work. Okay. Um, <laughs> I sent out a birthday invitation if, that said September and it's for an October birthday party. So. All right. You know. I don't feel, as, I don't feel <laughs> that bad. I, I don't know if I've made that blunder. This gives us insight about how to reach people who already accept the Bible as God's truth. Yes. That's what it should say. Okay. Very nice. At least I don't have you reading 10 extra verses because of a typo like i did last week okay hey that's why you gotta listen to the podcast right um okay what kinds of people would fit into this category today so kinds of people who already accept the bible as god's truth i'm gonna get the low low hanging fruit here roman catholics oh Oh, yeah. I was just going to say kind of cultural Christians, people who are like, Mm -hmm. this is just what we do and then go about their lives. Yep. Um, 
cultural Christians. I, yeah, I actually asked somebody. I was like, "Oh, do you go to church here?" And they're like, "Yeah, we were there on Easter." And I'm thinking, "Okay, that's not the same thing." Yeah. Um, and it'd be it'd be kind of that that type of person. Yeah. Also, I think I think obviously would be um what a lot of people would consider Christian cults, so aberrant groups, hmm. Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses. One of the issues with them, of course, in, in sharing from scriptures is that like their methods, especially Jehovah's Witnesses, are like extremely apologetically honed on like their key issues. So, you know, sharing with them, it's like unless you've looked into Jehovah's Witness arguments and things like yeah, that. It's hard to you know. might have a rough time. Yeah. Yeah. Like if we spent all our time studying how to defend the Trinity, yeah. for example, we'd all be ultra good at it. Yeah. Um, if, if that's what you spend most of your time on doing is, is criticizing it, then. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. So th- those are good examples. I think, I think Jewish folks too, just like we see Paul doing here. Of course, we're not talking about New Testament there. Um, but yeah, so people who are ready, accept Bi- the Bible as God's truth, God's authority, uh, I think those are, are all good examples. Um, uh, cultural Christians, yeah. Um, and a lot of pe- different people, a lot of different kinds can fit into that. Uh, maybe lapsed Christians yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Sure. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and read Acts 17, 1 through 9. Kristen is ready with I'm her ready. Bible in hand. Yeah. All right. Let's do this. Oh, man, I'm getting old because now I look at your Bible and all I think is, <laughs> look how small that print is. Oh. Ah, oh my fun. gosh okay now when they had passed through oh man doug how do you say these things oh sorry i can't see it Am- <laughs> <laughs> amphipolis amphipolis and apollonia yep mm-hmm. they came to thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the jews and paul went in as was his custom and on three sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures explaining and proving that it was necessary for the christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And from and some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, rabble, that's fun. That's okay, right. They're rabble they formed, rousers is yeah, what they are doing. They formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them. And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is no- another king, Jesus. <clears throat> and the people in the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Mm. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome very much. All right. So leaders. Verse five is one of, <coughs> one of the many places in the Bible, New Testament in particular, where the Jews refers specifically to the Jewish leadership. It did not have the derogatory connotations that the expression sometimes has today. I always feel the need to explain that. You know, there's, I don't know, some of these just in, in light of post 20th century some of these references, some of the way that the Bible uses language sometimes can sound weird to us, but that is indeed an anachronistic reading where we read our own things sure. back into it. Yeah. Um, all right. That's it for today. That's what <laughs> we're talking about. Okay. Um, uh, all right. First question. Verse three tells us, Paul, I feel like I made that joke last week. 
Yeah, I, I maybe I do. Sometimes can't say I listen to. There's it. some jokes that I that no, that's all right. That's all right. Uh, there's some jokes that I just tell uh, over and over again when I think I could get away with it. Okay. You, you can't get away with it here. People do listen. Um, no, not me, but some people do. Listen. All those dad jokes. Yeah, not you. Yeah, not you. Yeah, son of a gun. Well, you we won't hear all the trash we were talking then. Last oh, week. good. Like, now uh, I'm gonna go back. Yeah, we're like Kristen's taste in seltzer really isn't that refined (laughs) yeah um verse three tells us that paul spent three sabbaths quote explaining and proving that it was necessary for the christ to suffer and to rise from the dead why did he need to explain this and prove uh this to the jewish people he was trying Mm. to reach yeah well i mean so many Oh, thank you. Welcome. <laughs> Doug just handed me some tissues. Just in case. Um, <laughs> so, well, at the time, most, I mean, we saw in the disciples as they're walking with Jesus, they assumed that the Messiah was going to establish an earthly rule and defeat the Romans and con- basically conquer the area and reign. Yeah. That's what they assumed the Messiah was actually going to do, mm-hmm. not what Jesus ultimately did, which is look like a complete failure. Yep. Um by yep. the eyes of the world. Yep. And, and like he would ra- he would rush it, he would uh, usher in, that's the word I'm yep. looking for, uh this this glorious messianic age, which is why at the beginning of Acts right. the disciples are like Hey, is it at this time then that you're going to restore the kingdom right. to Israel? And, and Jesus they argued is over like, who's you know going to be sitting next to him. Now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and they, I mean, I think because he's considered the, um, what am I looking for? Like the descendant of David. Descendant. Yes. Thank okay. you. Like you're welcome. David's kingdom was one of rule and reign mm-hmm. and, um, some level of of hegemony yeah yeah yeah. and they Mm -hmm. thought that the messiah would be like that but better yep Um, yeah and so yeah it certainly took some explaining to do and really looking at the scriptures that maybe they kind of glossed over before yeah the idea of a suffering messiah uh and that the um so a lot of like the the or the new the early um apologetic towards um towards jewish people who were having this uh, objection would be to cite like Psalms of David, where like most of them, if you've read through the Psalms, right, is like, I like help me, God, my enemies surround me. And a lot of these, these, these quotes that we associate with Jesus, he lifted up his heel against mm-hmm. me for my clothing. They cast lots and things like this yeah. are about. So it's like, well, if the Messiah is anything like David, then of course this is going to be happening to mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the necessity to rise from the dead also. So we've already seen Peter kind of how he approaches that. The idea like you will not abandon your holy one to corruption or my soul to Sheol. Um, one might bring in um, Isaiah 53 as well. The ultimate vindication yeah. of the suffering ser- uh, yeah. servant. Um Although, you know, um, not all Jewish people m- saw that as the Messiah, per se. Oh, really? Yeah, huh. yeah. Suff- suffering servant, son of man. These are distinct roles in Judaism. Okay. Although certainly some did. Like, there, there's definitely Jewish traditions that really, like, if you read the, um, the uh, Targum of Isaiah, which is like an Aramaic commentary, it's like, who's this about? The Messiah. So gotcha. it's definitely okay. there, but it's not like everybody sees that as the Messiah sure. in Judaism. Um, yeah, so that, so that's, uh, that's what, uh, he's doing here. Okay. Next question. 
Uh, in his ministry to the Thessalonians, we are told that Paul focused on two things. First, that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to be raised. And second, that Jesus is Christ, the Messiah, the King. In your experience, what biblical truths do, do we typically need to contend for in our culture as we seek to share the gospel with people? What can you do to better equip yourself to be able to better communicate those truths? That's a pretty big question, isn't it? Yeah. Lots of answers. That's right. You just plan on people parking here for the rest of their time? (laughs) Could be. Could be. (laughs) Um, Uh, I mean, I think even even within the um, Christian tradition in the United States anyway, there has been a lot of divergent... uh, denominations who are kind of breaking off from orthodox christian beliefs Mm -hmm. um and so there is i mean particularly in the line of um like uh sexuality Mm -hmm. um gender uh I mean, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. just to name a couple like that yeah those those are huge those are huge ones yeah. yeah um and then too even just uh the like uh what am I trying to say? Like women, for instance, yep. too. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another huge debate that's yeah. going on, kind of, even within the church right now. And those are tough ones. Like, <clears throat> yeah, I, I kind of have mixed feelings right about that because, like, certainly I think the Bible does speak to all those issues. But like, so there's part of me that says like we should defend it. We should defend it biblically. Yeah. You know. Um, on the other hand, when we're talking about about leading people to Christ. You know, so not not discounting that we should talk to them or that that can't play a role in in people coming to know the Lord. Uh, there is a sense in which, like, it, that those are peripheral issues hmm. to, to maybe not to them. Yeah, well, that's but, yeah. But I want to confront people with the truth about Jesus. Like, I don't want people evaluating Christianity based on whether we have right views on sexuality. But I want people are. contending. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> that, which is why I have mixed feelings about yeah. it, right? Um, but... Uh, I want people contending with, did Jesus rise and mm. is he my Lord? Because if he is, then, he, yeah. you know, he has claim on me. Really, it's, what I it's peeling back the layers of the onion and, and looking at the the heart of, yeah. of like, why are these things um, uh, main points for people? And really, I think at the, at the very basic level, it's all issues of identity. Yep. And where is your identity placed? Yeah. Is it in these things or is it in who, like, that you are um, created in God's image? And uh, Well, that's interesting because yeah. I, I feel like maybe, so, like, if I think of, say, defending, I don't know, the Bible's view on same-sex relationships, I immediately think, you know, Leviticus 18, Leviticus 20, I think especially Romans 1, 26 and 27, uh, passages like that, you know, but maybe just as important are passages that speak to identity, uh, speak to, you know, making the positive case for who we are, not only a negative case against something that's wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. if you are right in your identity as who God has created you mm-hmm. to be, yep, um, you will have a right view of yourself and a right view of God yeah. in that yep. and would then live live that out. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's very helpful. Another thing I think that's uh, help uh, important to contend for that I find myself often having to explain is justification by faith. You know that that we're accepted uh, by God on the basis of our trust in Jesus as opposed hmm. to our moral performance. Yeah, and 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 really, 
you know, I, I don't know. That's always, I've always found that people have kind of a hard time wrapping their head around that. Right. And I think a lot, like, when I think about it in that sense, I think how, like, who, who, who's our measuring stick? What is our moral measuring stick? Yeah. And if our measuring stick is, is Christ, mm-hmm. if our measuring stick is God, mm-hmm. then yeah, of course, we all fall short. And so, um, if our measuring stick is our neighbor, well, of course you're going to be better than your neighbor in some respects, yeah. but there's going to be somebody else who's better than you. Yep. So where is that line drawn? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I think, <clears throat> I think in terms of better equipping ourselves to communicate those truths, um, I think that my best general advice, number one, of course, is you, you have to just have a good basic knowledge of, or you should have a good basic knowledge of what's in the Bible. Okay, uh, so just general Bible reading, of course, but then especially then also in addition to that, I would say um, <clears throat> attach yourself to good resources, like knowing where to get answers mm-hmm. from is like and and you know uh, maybe in advance if if these are some of the big issues that you anticipate, um, it wouldn't kill you to listen to a podcast on that or to read something on that or to shoot an email to me or someone you trust or something and just get... I've got recommendations, hey, I've got recommendations. <laughs> yeah, what have you found helpful? Uh, I actually just started listening to the Confronting Christianity podcast mm. and then read the book. Confronting Christianity. Confronting okay. Christianity. It's mm. Rebecca McLaughlin and... Okay. Uh, I can't forget. I can't remember the other guys. It sounds name. like it's enough to search for that. On, it's uh, good though, yeah. and it's uh, each topic is is kind of one of these things that culture is really wrestling with, and mm. how do you speak into that and really help people see, uh, like you said, the heart of the gospel and help people contend with Christ. Yep. Um, and not these kind of peripheral things. Yeah. Yeah. As for me, um, <clears throat> aside from of course the resources which I produce for you here, <laughs> um. I would uh, suggest um, uh, some things that have been helpful to me on the same sex and gender stuff. I really recommend the ministries of Preston Sprinkle as well as uh, Christopher Yuan. Um, <clears throat> those are those are two excellent resources. Um, I also, um, in terms of uh, other other things that I've been listening to a lot lately, I've really been listening to a lot of Gavin Ortland O R T L U N D. He's a pastor uh, out in uh, California who talks a lot about like Roman Catholic issues and stuff like that, but a lot of like justification by faith and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah, very helpful on that. Um, so just uh, adding those things to the list of uh, things you listen to and imbibe. You know, everybody's got their got their own, but you know, just yeah. attach yourself to good resources. And if yeah. you're not sure where to look, reach out to me. I'm happy to recommend some stuff. Okay. Uh, in order to turn the, the city authorities against the Christian missionaries, the Jewish leaders argued that the message of Jesus was politically subversive. Proclaiming Jesus as king, Christ, was a challenge to Caesar's kingship. In what ways is this true, and in what ways is it misleading? And how is the gospel politically subversive today? <laughs> fun question. <laughs> um, We're all about fun questions. <laughs> Let's see. Well, yeah, it, is absolutely true and absolutely not not true because it's yeah, it's yeah. I mean exactly as, it's both it's, as Christians we are it's the kingdom kingdom come but not yet uh, mm-hmm. where the what is it, the already but not yet yep. kind of dynamic um, the upside down kingdom uh, is another way of of talking about it too because Christ talks about how the least of these is the first yep um, and so really. Uh, 
that's a good point. It's misleading because he wasn't uh, elevating anyone politically or through power or mm-hmm. through like money uh, the way the world does. He yeah. was doing it upside down. He was. My doing, kingdom is not of this world. Right. He tells Pilate yeah. exactly. Um, and so, yeah. So it's true, uh, but not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I think you know it's a. Uh, it means that the one hand. Your allegiance is not to your Caesar. Yeah. But at the other hand, it means that your allegiance is of another world, which means you can be a good citizen yeah. here and now. Like, yeah. it doesn't, It there are ways in which we can't compromise as right. Christians. But, you know, for the most part, like knowing the Lord is, 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 um, is a positive, should be a positive thing to how you impact your world and culture. <laughs> And Paul is nowhere saying in his gospel, like, you know, that we should somehow subvert the Roman Empire or something like that. Although the gospel itself is subversive <laughs> of all human authority and institution, because it means that there is a uh, one true Lord right. uh, under under whom all else is is subsumed. You know, my my Bible reading this morning actually had me in uh, Matthew 17, mm. uh, the passage where Jesus is. Uh, pays the temple tax yeah. uh, with the fish, with the coin in its mouth. Yeah, kind of yeah. makes me think about that a little bit. Like, he's like, well, we're not under the authority of this, but like, yeah, let's exactly. not be That's a classic adverse ta- passage for that. Yeah. to uh, w- like the culture, essentially. Yeah. And we're going to pay it. Yep. So that reminds me of uh, the da- a good dad joke from the new Ghostbusters movie. Oh, boy. What do you call a fish with no eyes? Uh, oh. yes you got did you just get that did you just come up with that no i'm sure i heard it oh before. my god i don't know maybe you didn't maybe you're just a dad joke genius <laughs> uh, psh, correct nice for the record oh, every so time happy. <coughs> every time you hear me coughing it's because i'm laughing that's she's smoking right now his office is just it's just filled i can't even see i can't even see uh, uh, all right um, uh, how is it politically subversive today? I mean, it's we're still, the gospel is still insanely countercultural, and you can't you can't say like uh, you must be a part of this political party or you are not a Christian. Yeah, um, like yep. you you can't say it no matter where you land on the spectrum. Yeah, uh, you can't say that because. I mean, especially you, in a day in which so much morality is defined by politics. Mm. You know, um, yeah, yeah. It's um, uh, just the idea—the idea that like the Christ—it's almost like a litmus test for Christians, where yeah. like if your views only line up with one political party and are just lockstep with certain pol- like then there's probably something wrong. You're probably not getting your views from scripture, right? Yeah, know? because uh, scripture is kind of all over the place. It doesn't land in one in one camp. Yep. Um, across the board so yeah and it means and it means that things that you 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 care about things that other people don't care about i often think of like um uh, our obligation as christians to all of humanity um both for the gospel and for causes of justice you know like i can't like um so like i uh being a christian and thinking through issues like immigration or like foreign aid or what we care about going on in other countries, even things like, you know, what, you know, things that are go, 
just just being concerned with what's happening in my country is is not um is not sufficient for a christian mm. you know we 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 it, so that should be very convicting that's often very convicting to me yeah you know because it's like uh do um I, and I don't know. It's a complex mix of is, mess, mesh of issues. Yeah. Uh, because it's hard to. There's there's varying reasons why you should might want to say that like, you know, um, America should be first or something. But then on the other hand, it's like, well, no, because that's that's obvious. That's not the kingdom of God. America yeah. is not the kingdom of God. <laughs> right. And and you know our the the our compassion and love should know no national boundaries. Mm. Um, they are. Uh, people across the world are just as important or even our neighbors here on this continent or the, the South America are, are, are just as important as the people here. Um, whereas politically, we're kind of trained to think, you know, that America and what's going on here in this country is the only important thing. Mm. But the issue, of course, is that the uniqueness of that is that America does have so much impact worldwide. Right. You know, so, um, yeah. Yeah, um, the, the, we it can't be distilled down to to simple things. Yeah, um, it's not it's, simple. It just gets more. Not, none of it is simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's go on. Read Acts seventeen ten through fifteen. All right, you want me to just keep plowing through? <clears throat> yeah, plow through that sucker. <laughs> the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea. But Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul through brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. Okay. So the question here is, uh, and this one is a heart one, the Bereans' response to the gospel message stands out because they were more noble in that they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Man, I feel like Charlie and his grandpa Joe after they ate the drank the fizzy lifting drinks with this uh, seltzer here um he's, he's rising to the roof guys uh, it's yeah. crazy the fan in here is gonna chop me up gonna, it's just like getting sucked up with all of Kristen's smoke here um what what can you do to equip yourself to follow the example of the bereans you know that is to enable you to weigh what you hear against scriptures and so this is just general Things that we ought to be doing, habits that we ought to be doing to build strong scriptural knowledge and to be able to actually evaluate things by what the Bible says. Yeah. So, well, I mean, so Jen Wilkin actually says, Your heart can't love what your mind does not know. Oh, man. Look at that. So good, right? Yeah. Um, And here, like we see them, they're examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So they weren't just like buying it, being like, Oh, yeah, okay, he said so. I believe it. Mm. They were using their minds and they were using their time to become informed um, for themselves so that they could decide for themselves uh, if, if what they were saying was true. Yeah, I think I think too there is a frequency thing here also in play because if you note back in Thessalonica it says 
there's there's uh, also a temporal indicator, right? He reasoned with them on three Sabbaths, it said. And here, what what are they doing? They're looking daily. Yeah. So there mm-hmm. is a, you know, um, you know, obviously we've all got busy schedules and stuff, but there should be something, some kind of, I, I think just as important of what, as what you do is the consistency and frequency that you yeah. do it. Well, too, um, if you think about it, so it says they received the word with all eagerness. Now, mm-hmm. if you think about it, they were, I mean, for, there had been 400 years of silence with the promise of Messiah, but nothing to come of it, or yeah. so they thought. So these, um, the the Jewish people in Berea are excited at the possibility like maybe the messiah has come like let's actually figure this out Mm. has he come has he arrived whereas opposed to that um in where were they before thessalonica in thessalonica they were uh like skeptical like nah Hmm. You know, like yeah. there's skepticism yeah. versus no, let's actually yeah. like this could be really you amazing. You don't have as mixed of a response in Berea. Yeah. Yeah. Although, as you see, like the things went so things in Thessalonica were so crazy, so spicy that they actually followed them to that city. <laughs> right. Like that. They must have done something to tick those guys off. Um, <coughs> you got to stop <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Walk a walk a walk Um <laughs> And you actually see this in the letter of Thessalonians, First and Second Thessalonians, which are written very soon, uh, very soon after, like maybe a month or two after they're in Thessalonica. So either here in Berea, maybe in Athens, um, because it, it talks about wait, him waiting for Silas and okay. Timothy yeah. in those letters. So like while that's still going on, um, but but in other at any rate, like the both of those letters talk a lot about how you receive the word in much affliction and, and yeah. stuff like that. Um, okay. Uh, in the sermon, Ryan noted that it is our job to simply share what the scripture says with people because the word of God combined with the work of the spirit has the power to change hearts and compel minds. Uh, how does this give you increased confidence in sharing the gospel with people? Oh, man, I was just listening to another podcast this morning that was talking oh, about that. this is like the podcast podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's a podcast within the podcast. That's right. This uh, is like Inception <laughs> as a podcast. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it takes the the burden off of you. It's not you that has to convince anyone. It's it's the, the work of the Holy Spirit, and it's just um, being led by the Spirit and stepping out in faith and, and sharing the gospel as... Uh, as you're led with those around you and and if it lands it lands and if it doesn't it doesn't Mm -hmm. um yeah 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 i know like um in our conversations i i I still fail at this a lot but like the goal one of your primary goals in sharing the gospel with unbelievers should be get them reading the scripture Mm. if you get you know get that in front of them like let them see that because um, yeah, there's this very spiritual level that like the spirit works in a special way through through the word of God. Um, there's also, you know, people see for themselves that this is not just you telling them your opinions. Yeah. But, you know, you're actually grounding it in yeah. something. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't tell you. That's it, huge. That's yeah. really. I think that's really good advice. Well, of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm well, I, I like never stuff. thought about that. Like. I feel like more often you're likely, or at least I would have considered like, oh, what book can I hand somebody mm-hmm. as opposed to just being like, here, read Luke. 
Yeah. Like meet Jesus for yourself here. Um, Instead of, because if you think about it, people are hearing from every area of their lives what others think the Bible says. Yep. Um, But very often when you get into scripture yourself, you're realizing what other people are saying the Bible says is is not really true or not on point and you begin to see kind of the fault lines in uh mm-hmm. arguments coming from the outside yeah yeah exactly yeah um yeah people uh pe- you, you actually encounter those pages and you have to grapple with what it actually says and you can sometimes you could often see why certain ideas about what the bible quote unquote says or doesn't say uh is off are off base by just looking at what it you know, the primary source here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's communicating the gospel through the scriptures. Now we're talking about, we're going to talk about communicating the gospel through contextualization. So contextualization refers to the process of communicating God's truth differently to different people, depending on their background beliefs and assumptions. It acknowledges that while we do share a common humanity, cultures differ widely from one another and the wise Christian evangelist will use wisdom in adjusting his or her approach to meet people where they're at. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's read uh, Acts seventeen sixteen through 21. Did you want to do that one too? <laughs> sure. All right. Now, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean, Epicurean, Epicurean and Stoic. Oh, (laughs) I know that word. (laughs) Stoic philosophers all conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus. 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 Saying, it sounds like a character on Sesame Street. <laughs> I never thought of it that way, but now I always will. <laughs> May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. And all the Athenians and the foreigners who live there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome very much. All right, leaders. Here we are introduced to two kinds of philosophy, or philosophy, as we sometimes call it. <laughs> oh, two kinds of philosophy: Epicureanism and Stoicism. We are probably intended to suppose that Paul calibrated his message to speak into the worldview of these groups. Both were skeptical of more popular forms of Roman religion, the worship of idols and temples made with hand. So in other words, when Paul's mentioning that stuff here, he's probably using that as a point of contact rather than a point of criticism. Um, so Epicureans, these is my super abbreviated thing. You can go to the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy if you want to read a lot on these groups. Uh, that's a very good resource for philosophy online, by the way. Uh, But uh, Epicureans believed that mental pleasure, as opposed to physical pleasure, was the highest good. They believed that the gods refrained from interfering in human affairs. And Stoics believed that the pursuit of right ethics and virtue led to true happiness. For them, God is a life force that animates the entire universe as a spirit does to a body. 
So these are groups that are probably also pretty critical of people going into temples and worshiping at the feet of statues. Sure. Yeah. Um, Okay. Paul did not wait for people to come to him, but rather purposely made connections wherever he could, seeking opportunities to share the good news of Jesus. In Athens, this meant going to both the synagogue and the marketplace. What are your modern-day synagogues and marketplaces? Facebook. (laughs) All right. (laughs) YouTube comment section. Um, It's where you find all godliness and goodness. Uh, Nowhere will you find a greater hive of uh, of uh, scum and vil- a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. That's a quote from Star Wars. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> Alex would have known that. I he would. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll get you up to speed. Sorry. Uh, 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 yeah, I don't know. Honestly, <laughs> maybe. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. The the school pickup line i mean that's the life i'm in now is, yeah yeah is okay there you go the park yeah the park yeah the grocery store like <laughs> oh yeah you have no idea no idea what to answer those are great answers to that yeah <laughs> yeah of course yeah those places where uh where god puts you uh i have a lot of chit chat with my neighbors these days that's that's oh that's yeah, a yeah, synagogue yeah yeah okay and, and a marketplace um yeah, um, all kinds of things like that. Places where you regularly have contact with unbelievers. Mm-hmm. Work um, uh, is another is another great example. Unless um, if you work in a church. Unless you work in a church, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just was, pop next door to Passaic County and <laughs> hang out in front of their, bill, that's their right. doors. <laughs> Show up with a free sugar sign on your chest. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I had that on me the other week. If you've forgotten, I'm not just randomly saying that. Like, yeah. There's context. Yes, there's context to all my nonsense comments. Okay. Uh, read Acts. Uh, nope, wait, no. Wait, no. Paul I, exemplifies oh a go and seek oh mentality. Gosh. What causes churches to lose this perspective? All right. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, go and seek mentality. You mean that being like he's going out into the places to meet with people? Yep. Yeah. Um, what causes churches to lose his perspective? I think the desire. I, well, I mean, I, I think it depends on the church. Of obviously, yeah. like there's different churches. Some, some, it's just being so enamored with your own tradition. And That's kind of like what that. I'm thinking of. Like yeah. The, along those lines. Yeah. Just kind of wanting to be here with your church people who you love dearly, mm-hmm. and um. Which is good, yeah. But uh, kind of forgetting that there is a mission that we're on to make disciples who make disciples. Yeah, like especially the idea, like, because um, it's it's. Uh, I think a lot of times Christians can can feel very us against the world kind of, yeah. and so when you're in a place where you know you're with a lot of people who are like minded, it can be very comfortable, yeah. and you know maybe I'm not as um, as as concerned about being winsome as possible yeah. and I kind of want to preserve this. I want to preserve this dynamic. Yeah. Church will get ugly if there's people who think differently than me there. You know, I'm a very uh conflict adverse <clears throat> person. Yeah. And sometimes uh kind of being outward focused feels like stepping into conflict. Yeah. Even if it's low key kindly conflict, it still feels like conflict. And so it's yeah. it's not it's just an uncomfortable thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, it's hard because uh, churches can, 
the classic question is, you know, what is church for? Is it for the, uh, is it for the unbeliever? Is it, or is it for to edify the body? And, you know, and I think there's, yes. there's a case that could be made for, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think there's a case that can be made for both, you know, it needs to strike the balance. And, um, yeah. And so, all right, let's Moving on. move on. We've yes. got a lot to get through. Doug. That's right. We're going to, uh, we're going to go double speed now. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> Acts 17, 22 through 28. So Paul standing in the midst of, I can't say these names. <laughs> Areopagus. Areopagus said, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I pass along and observe the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship is as unknown. This I proclaim you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. How far am I going? Just this verse, this next verse. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are intended, or for we are indeed his offspring. Yes. All right. In in this address to the Areopagus, (laughs) Paul makes as many points of contact as possible, highlighting the points of agreement between the pagan philosophers and the biblical worldview rather than first drawing their attention to places where the gospel says they are wrong. Why is this a wise approach? It's always best to give criticism within uh, compliments. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good point. This is the love sandwich principle, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. He wants them to listen. Yeah. Right? You don't want to shut you, the person down being like, okay, no, let me share the gospel <laughs> with you. Like, And these aren't, these aren't just like surfacey things, right? These are like profound aspects of the biblical worldview they're essential you know kind of like you'd find them in doctrinal statements you know um these are so it's not just paul like grabbing grabbing at straw here he's highlighting important points um yeah because we want there to be an acknowledgement of the way in which um in the way in which god's common grace has enabled people to see his truth to grasp aspects of his truth that truth will always be warped in some way by human thinking and sin but we should acknowledge it when it's there right um yeah um so it's much more winsome than that um it's uh it doesn't come off as condescending then um also, like, notice, like, if anybody seems condescended to, it's Paul by the end of this, right? right. Where they're mocking him. Yeah. But it's it's not Paul coming in being like, you guys are all idiots. <laughs> like, you know, obviously you think you're so smart, but you're not smart. No, yeah. he's Even like, if what you're like, if if what you're saying is true when it's spoken condescendingly, yeah. <laughs> it's, you're, you're not going to have any hearers. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Did you... <laughs> Uh-oh. I think of that that meme, condescending Wonka. You remember that? I have not. It's a picture of Willy Wonka, like. Oh yeah, 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 yep, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> in what ways do we fail to do what Paul is doing here, and in what ways do succeed, do we succeed? You don't want me to tell you any condescending Wonka memes? No. All right, never mind. All right. In <laughs> my, what, <laughs> in what ways do we fail to do what? I Paul's just doing? read it. What ways do we? Yeah, I know, but then I went and said something dumb, so I just wanted to make sure people remember what page we're on. Okay. So, 
Uh, we're on page three. Uh, what ways do we fail? What ways do we succeed? Facebook. Just oh, man. don't, man. Don't, just don't. Yeah. Just don't on Facebook. If you're going to have a conversation with somebody about this stuff, do it in person. Yeah. yeah. I, to start. I mean, that's step one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then do it lovingly and yeah. with grace. Why is Facebook bad, Kristen, to do that on if I have to spell it out for you, <laughs> it's not looking good. Yeah. No. Um, it's just, it's not a personal environment. And honestly, I think most people have their, now, especially when you're on Facebook, you already have your armor up. Yeah. Um, and you're looking for people to agree or to argue with. Yeah. And so. Yeah, one of the points I made a while back, on, I had to talk about this, actually. I forget what, what we called it, but, uh, you know, it's it's performative. Yeah. You know, you know, all, there's the, other, all social media. Yeah, this is true. Not just Facebook, but yeah. all social. Media. Maybe not so much with like like DMs or something. But, even still. But, but even then, it's yeah, it's not you're as not, personal. Yeah, you're not face yeah. to face with somebody. Yep. Yeah. Um, so that's that's definitely one way to, to miss that. Um, you know, how do we succeed? And yeah, I think, I think we succeed when we, you know, find the things that the culture gets right, even if yeah. it's embedded in a lot of error. Yeah. Cause you got to think like the reason why these guys are all thinking this stuff, it's embedded in error. It's right. not like they believe these things because they're convinced of the one God who mm -hmm. created everything. You know, this is the God of Israel who promised to send his son. No, they think this because of wrong things, right. but you want to latch on to the, so even something that's like way off base, um, even something that that you you know you think you're supposed to despise as a Christian, mm -hmm. like that, right? Like, like, um, you know, let's say you're talking with somebody who like loves abortion. Yeah, that's that <laughs> was what I was thinking about. <laughs> you know what I mean? But we can like, applaud the fact that they care for the women. Yeah, and they, you they, can yeah. acknowledge that. You know, and then who you care go for from women there. like right. no one else. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So and then you, extend and correct in in loving grace. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Paul doesn't even get into like real critiques of their view here or anything. It's like it's in step. It's it's the idea that discipleship and teaching is a process. OK, um, what point is Paul making when he mentions their altar to an unknown God? Um, well, the point that he is that he is making there is that um, is that uh, there even though. Athens is a is a city that is full of idols, right? Full of people who are like, here's this God and this God is exactly like this. And here's what we want. And here's what he wants. He realizes that the, that, that itself is a cultural acknowledgement that there's something deficient about there, mm -hmm. right? That there's uh, kind of similar to the stuff Jordan was talking about, that there's like, uh, there's there's these underlying currents of, of things that undermine their own worldview and things like that. And it's an acknowledgement of them seeking something beyond themselves that they do not understand. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're saying, I don't know something. Yeah. And maybe there's somebody out there who does know something. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe someone out there that does know something. Okay. Well, I think it also points out like mm. they, they, like they have gaps. Mm. Yeah. I, we just said that. We anyway. have gaps too down in the malls. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's that. There's gaps yeah. in understanding, and there's, there's an acknowledgement yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I and I think it's I think it's important too that uh, um, 
maybe we don't present ourselves as having all the answers to everything. Because right? we don't. Because right? we don't, right? So <laughs> you share in this this attitude there's somewhat. A humility. Uh, there's a humility, yeah. Yeah, I'm not the one with all the answers, yeah. but I am the one who's been brought. And to, to pretend to. that we are the ones with all the answers, yeah. it's very disingenuous. And I think that also throws up people's yeah. uh, guards. They're like, because they know. They know you can't know everything. Yeah. Um, even if they have an air themselves that they know everything. You know, like. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Exactly. Uh, What points does Paul make in verses 24 through 28, and how do these serve to soften the hearts of his hearers to the truth of the gospel? So, obviously, this is the question is my brainchild, so I'll I'll identify these, I suppose. (laughs) That'd be helpful. Okay. The God who made the world and everything in it. So, God is the one who is responsible for, for everything, for the existence of everything. Being Lord of heaven and earth does not live in temples made by hands. So here is an, an inadequacy of human religion to contain who God is. Okay. Uh, nor is he served by human hands. So here's another point, right? That like, it's not as if we give God something that he needs that doesn't he doesn't have, right? We won't yeah. fulfill some need in God. Um, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. So all mankind, this is God who is blessing all people, not just a, a select few. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. So here is God's creation of humanity. And again, like Paul is prepping this to, this is a very non-Israel centric message here. It is acknowledging universal humanity and therefore God's universal lordship over it. Um, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place. So some some sovereignty there. Um, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. So this idea that, you know, you're acknowledging people's people seeking. I think as I mentioned in a maybe even in last week's uh, podcast, there is a sense in the Bible in which unbelievers do seek God. You, you have to balance that with Paul, right? No one seeks God. No, not one, right? But there's, because there's no one who really seeks him with a pure heart and with pure motives. But again, when you're talking to, uh, to uh, about, and especially to unbelievers, like you want to acknowledge that people are looking for truths, even truth, yeah. even if their search is warped. Okay, um, uh, that they should seek God, perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. So God actually is close. So there's there's this great transcendence of God and there's this great imminence of God, which, um, which Paul also speaks of here. For in him we live and move and have our being, um, and we are indeed his offspring. So those are the points that I would that I would mention. Um, and these so just clear and concise, clear, clear and concise, a universal appeal, right? So like understanding, like we're all accountable to one God. Um, we are, we're all kind of in the same boat and he wants all of us to find him and he's, and we're all kind of on that journey together. And mm-hmm. I think these are the the ways. So it's almost like he's empathizing with them. He's not here like, here I am, this philosophical or religious genius mm. showing you the way. But we're all kind of, we're all on this path. Some of us might be a little further down it than others, but we're all, we have this common path. Yeah. So that's great. 
Well done. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Next question. Next question. Is Paul being manipulative here? Why or why not? Mm. No. No, probably not. Probably the answer is no, (laughs) right? (laughs) Uh, I mean, he's just kind of speaking to... um, Yeah, no, he's just kind of laying out like an argument. He's not trying to manipulate. He's just trying to say like, here is... Uh, the truth of who God is, yep. how he relates to us, and how you can find him. Yeah. yeah. And who we are in relation to him. Um, yep. So he's just laying out a really well thought out argument, which is, I mean, these guys, the, the people he's talking to, they're they're, philo- they're thinkers. Yeah. Um, and so he's relating to them in a way and speaking with them in a way that they speak. It would be silly to, like, go to Mexico and then share the gospel with someone in English when they speak Spanish. Like yeah. that's silly. Yeah. He's speaking the language, he's speaking of, the, the, language yeah. of the people. Yeah. He's, he's meeting where they're, them where they're at. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and read the last section here now at Acts 17, 29 through 34. Um, you want me to read them? I'll, sure. All right. Being then God's offspring, we ought not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. At uh, the time, I like how he throws in an imagination there too, right? That it's not just like the physicalness of the worship of the idols, but also maybe the things that I think about God are not what creates God, right? (laughs) Um, The times of ignorance God overlooked. But now he commands people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, it says some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst. But some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysus, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris and others with them. All right. So this is uh, the, the turning point here we see in verse 30. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Okay, so until then, I... I, 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 I um, until then, he's spoken in line with the philosophical worldview of his hearers, um, you know, musing on these timeless truths, true for all people at all times. But now something's happened and it changes everything and it requires a response. So Paul's audience seems to be tracking with him throughout the majority okay. of his speech. It's actually the mention of the resurrection that they mock him. Physical resurrection from the dead was unthinkable to Gentile audiences. In fact, one Greek writer... Uh, I forget how to pronounce this. I think it's Esculus, um, tells us that when the Areopagus was founded, Apollo proclaimed, once a man is slain, there is no resurrection. So like this is deeply embedded in, in Hellenistic philosophy that like there's, there's, there is, you know, when you're gone, you're gone. You go to Hades, but you do not come back physically. Um, why do you think Paul introduces Jesus by speaking about the judgment of the world, right? Um, uh, and in the next question, I say he doesn't mention points that are typically associated with the gospel, such as, you know, God's love, God's forgiveness, right? He doesn't lead with that. He leads yeah. with God's judgment. Um, and I think what it is, I think it's to impress upon them a point of urgency, so notice that they were introduced early on as people who would spend all day ex- doing nothing except hearing something new. 
Yeah. Right? Like, these are people who are into ideas, not exactly for ideas sake, like they wanted to live better lives, but like, there's no like, like you, you need to grapple with this truth. And like, there's no sense of urgency there. It's like just, and sometimes, you know, people want to, I'll experience that, you know, sometimes people will want to have quote unquote spiritual conversations, but it's just because they like having spiritual conversations. You know, it's just like they like thinking about deep things that maybe they don't talk about all the time. Mm -hmm. But here it's actually like, no, God, like there is a time when we are this God whom I've been speaking about this whole time will hold us all accountable. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think of college students sitting around like the the cafe. Yeah. <laughs> like they, yeah. you know, just kind of like talking and arguing about some of these things, whether they believe them or not. Yeah. Um, kind of a similar vibe. Or in your case, the smoking lounge. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just With riding that joke right to the end today. To the we'll end. see how long. Hopefully yes. <laughs> yeah. my prayers will be answered <laughs> and I will not, <laughs> not have <laughs> lungs. <laughs> Nice. All right. <laughs> Notice how Paul just, ends. What's that? Just going to say that cough punctuated that statement. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Perfect time. Perfect comedic timing. Notice how Paul ends his speech by announcing the resurrection. As I said, he doesn't mention the points that are typically associated with the gospel. Um, why? And I, I kind of give you the answer here because I think this could be a little bit of a tricky question. Um, but uh, so number one. Note that verse 32 seems to indicate that Paul does not seem to have taken the initiative to stop here, right? It, rather, it's the mocking at the concept of resurrection that indicates that they're probably no longer willing to hear him, okay? So, in other words, he mentioned, gets that out of his mouth, and then it's They're like, it's oh, over, right? here yeah. we go, yeah. this dummy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Second, notice that Paul's speech did intrigue some and led se to several conversions, who, who would then have been dis discipled more fully, mm -hmm. okay? And then third, the mention of the resurrection as the most controversial point is probably meant to elicit further discussion, forcing his hearers to grasp with the truth of the gospel himself. So, in other words, there is no preaching the gospel without preaching the resurrection, right. and because he knows that that's potentially the biggest pill for these guys to swallow— Let's get this stumbling. Yeah. Let's start working on this stumbling block right away. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's everybody's stumbling block. Is mm -hmm. you you have to come to the resurrection and decide: um, Is Christ who He says He is, and did this happen? Yeah. Or, or do I believe that it did not? Yeah. Um, yeah. There's no there's no gospel without it. Right. Yeah. Um, which I think is, I mean, we we sometimes forget. Like sometimes you hear you you you'll tell or hear the gospel, and you wouldn't even know that Jesus was risen, right? Because it mm. focuses totally on his death and the significance of his death, yeah. the atonement, right? Uh, no small thing, right? But you notice that that every time you see the gospel preached in the New Testament, it, there is yeah. resurrection. Yeah. Doesn't somebody say like, if if he's still dead, then what are we all doing here? Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul says that in First yeah. Corinthians fifteen, yeah. Um, in order to contextualize the gospel effectively, we must be able to tell the difference between repackaging the message to appeal to our hearers and actually changing the message. In what ways might Christians be tempted to change the message today in a way that compromises God's truth? I mean, I think one of the ways, and we talked about it before, but it would be kind of uh, bending the message to 
fit our political agenda. Yeah, that for would instance. that would be a good example. I think also bending the message to make it as if it has no claim on how we live our lives. Oh, yeah. You know, huge. I yeah. think I think those are you know those are those are biggies right there. Um, obviously, um, what God considers sin can often mm-hmm. be you know um, be minimized. Or the idea that the gospel is here to deal with our sin, mm. right? As opposed to simply, simply showing in some ambiguous way that God loves me, yeah. or it's a way to get my life together, mm. <clears throat> you know, um, something like Where that. Where it's so still about me. It becomes about me, yeah. yeah. As a, as opposed to 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 the glory of God, right? Yeah. And, and forgiving sinners through the death. Essentially, and God of serving the me through this yes. message, as opposed to I'm I'm now a servant of. Yeah, God. and to specifically in accomplishing my goals, mm. you know, yeah. Mm. Um, like you're you're being encouraged to love what you would love, even if God didn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Um, what are some appropriate ways that we can contextualize the gospel to more effectively reach people in our culture? Um, so a couple, uh, you know, uh, Jordan, um, helped us a lot with this, uh, when he came up, I thought he did a great job. Um, he shared that we could do this by appealing to two problems felt by all people, the problem of purpose. What is my reason for living? And the problem of security on what do I stand when my world comes crashing mm-hmm. down? So I think that those are the two real big things that you want to kind of focus on there for for the answer. But, of course, people might have have, uh, some other suggestions as well. Okay. Uh, Finish up with prayer time, of course. Praise God for giving us a gospel that is true and relevant for all people at all times. And pray that the Lord will give you the wisdom to be able to contextualize the gospel to effectively reach the people in your life. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, that's it for this week, folks. It's a pleasure as always. Pray for Kristen's yes, health. please. <laughs> yes. And that I could quit smoking. That's right. It's a joke, Give by it. the way. I <laughs> yeah, don't actually smoke. She doesn't smoke. actually smoke. Uh, yeah. You had to stick with us the whole time to learn that. <laughs> there she goes. <laughs> all right. Well, with that. We love you all. We love you. And thank you for leading and look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, take care. Adios. And bye-bye.